Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine, and uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little, and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Mules More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So. Hey, be sure to check them out, mulesmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mulesmore.com. Okay, friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me today. It's another Mule Tip Tuesday coming up, and I got a, a few good questions for you. If you ever have a question for Mule Tip Tuesday, be sure to email me, ty at tsmules.com. All right? That's spelled T-Y. Ty at tsmules.com. And uh, put in the subject line, question for Mule Tip Tuesday. Keep it as brief as you can and send it on over here, and uh, we'll try to get it on the show. Um, I'm hanging out in Virginia right now, and uh, it's a beautiful day. And I was riding with a friend of mine here, and we were working just in her back little field. And uh, something come up, and I thought it'd be a good little tip for you to talk about today, and then we'll get to the questions. But basically, she was trying to get a center circle going on, and her mule wanted to keep on falling into the inside, basically drop his shoulder to the inside of the circle. And she wanted to know how to fix that up. A couple things I'll do, if you guys are dealing with this, basically in any type of, of turn, if they have a tendency to drop their shoulder or cut too far to the inside, this is this is how you could handle it, okay? Um, if you, let's, let's picture your, let's picture you're riding your mule to the left, okay? You're making a, a left circle and I, uh, and, and you, you feel them tipping to the inside, and uh, you're not sure how to deal with this. Um, first thing I'm going to do is take a self-audit. Am I leaning to the inside? Sometimes we cock our heads and we lean our heads to the inside to see them. Uh, sometimes we drop our shoulder to the inside and we kind of lean kind of like we're riding a motorbike. We shouldn't be doing that. Um, sometimes we're not looking far enough ahead. Sometimes we're looking too close um directly in front of the mule or maybe right out the mule's head a lot of people stare at the mule's head while they ride if you're doing these things your direction will be a little off along with this direction you need intention you'll be surprised on how often you probably ride without intention i know i catch myself riding without intention all the time and i'm constantly working on myself to be intentional about my riding pretty much think about where you want to go don't just follow your mule along you're not just riding a dude mule. You are supposed to be giving them some direction. And you do that through your intention. So do that self-audit. Now, after you do that self-audit, and you're still dealing with this um, dropping the shoulder issue, uh, because maybe you rode like that for a long time and it kind of developed some habits. This is one of my favorite exercises. It's pretty simple. So you're riding around to the left. Your mule leans to the inside to the left. Okay, drops its shoulder to the left. I'm going to stop the mule. I'm going to get my left leg forward. I'm going to move the shoulders 
back to my circle line. So that'd be moving the shoulders to the right. I'd put them back on the line where I wanted them to be. Hesitate, and then I ride off again. I'm riding the same circle again. My mule wants to lean to the inside. I stop. I move the shoulders back, and then I ride again. I'll do this over and over and over again. Basically, I'm making it a little difficult to drop that shoulder. Every time they drop the shoulder, I will just simply put the shoulders back and then leave them alone. So that's how I deal with that. The other thing you can work on too, if they have a have a hard time is, is make a big hexagon shape. So make a big hexagon around there. Every time they want to kind of cut, um, or rather this keeps them from cutting because you're going to make a line, a straight line, and then it's a it's a corner. It's not a circle, right? So you're straight line and you're making a, a corner, making an angle. And every time I got to make that angle, I'm going to move the hindquarters to the outside. So say I'm riding to the left. I make my line. I'm coming up to the next corner of my little hexagon. Instead of just bending and dropping the shoulder to the inside, I'll stop my mule. I'm going to move the hip to the right and then make the new line. I'm riding down the next line of the hexagon. I get to the next angle of the hexagon, the next corner. Stop. Move the hinds to the right again. So instead of dropping that shoulder in to make that line, you're moving the hip out. And that'll build some really good habits as well. So that's my mule tip for you this week, friends. Uh, let's jump into our, our questions. First one comes from Carolyn McCurgan. Um, it's a little long, so I'm just going to paraphrase. Basically, she had a, had a mule full this past April. She was there when it was born. She worked with it when it was born. And then uh, she she had some family issues, so she wasn't able to be around the colt, the foal, any longer until just barely. Now, now the foal, um, she's saying it's disrespectful, uh, maybe dangerous. It rears, bolts, kicks, flies past her, all those things. Um, and uh, she's wondering what to do. She's going to wean this foal in a couple weeks, and uh, kind of wants some some advice and some information. So. Um, thanks for your question, Carolyn. Uh, first of all, I want to I want to say this. It's important that you know this. That foal, all equine, mules, horses, donkeys, whatever, they are incapable of respecting you or disrespecting you. It's impossible. They don't have that large frontal lobe that is in charge of abstract thoughts like respect. They don't have that. So first of all, I would say, don't take it personal that this cult's a wild little renegade, okay? It's it's just a cult. It's just being a mule. It's just doing what it does. Now, how do we get it? Because we don't, how do we get it handy? Because we don't want it kicking at us. We don't want it flying past us and running us over, all those things. It's pretty simple. You're going to, you're going to go through the halter breaking process. So you say you, she, she says in, in this, in this uh, uh, message that she can, get the halter on but it feels a bit dangerous okay um i like to do a lot of rope work with my mule so i'll get my lariat rope out i get a rope on this foal and i just start working it off of the rope i wouldn't even worry about haltering it you can kind of put a little pressure on that lead rope get it to where it it gives to to that rope a little bit comes towards you get to where you can just lead it around like that you got enough room on the end of that lariat rope that that colt can get way out there um but long story short, I would work with that rope to get this mule handy. And then I would get to a point where I could easily get the halter on. I wouldn't, I would just work my way up there, get to where I could handle that mule's body, pet the mule all over. 
uh, pick up its feet, doing doing that all on the end of my lariat rope uh, before I'd ever put the halter on, and uh, get that going good because you don't want to build resistance in catching and in haltering. So many people do that with the foals and with these weanlings, and right off the bat, these these weanlings and these foals are bad to be caught, bad to halter, and and they're learning how to brace on the human, push on the human right off the bat. So I'm not going to even try to halter this critter until I can get it to bend there to the left real nice and I can handle it and it's not trying to leave me. Uh, pay attention to it. Be aware. So when that, that mule gets worried, so maybe you go to put your hand under the neck like you was going to hand the halter to yourself, you know, from under the neck and you're reaching over with your right hand to grab it over the neck. So you're kind of hugging the neck. If, if they raise that head, they get bothered back off a little bit say hey i noticed that that bothers you and work your way in there just a little out of time notice those changes be aware of them don't block that mule out right here in the beginning that's so critical so many people just ignore their mules pay attention to what they need okay so if they're if they're being bothered back off a little bit and do it they can take at that moment watch those signs okay um now as you're working and you finally get the halter on over a period of time, then I would just basically start with our groundwork checklist. Now with these weanlings, I do very little. I'm talking like two to three minute sessions every couple of days, every two, three, four days. I mean, just a couple of times a week, really small little sessions. You're going to get a lot out of them doing that. Okay. So I would just start going down the groundwork checklist. That's all I do from then on. Um, but I would tell you this as well. Don't, don't take it personal, like I mentioned, I guess. Don't take it personal. Don't worry about the kicking and, and all this other little stuff that these foals do. As soon as you get to moving this foal's feet and you give it some direction, you get it paying attention, that's all going to fade away. Okay? Thanks for the question, Carolyn. Let me know what you think of that. The next question, this is a really interesting one. I like this. Uh, comes from Bill Novi. Bill says, hey, Ty, I have a young John Mule that I started working a few months ago. He came so far and is doing great, but my question is about soak time. Used to, we'd do something, and when I'd stop to let him soak, he'd chew and lick like usual and then show signs of relaxing. Now he doesn't lick and chew very often anymore, but instead he's already super chilled and relaxed looking the whole, uh, relaxed looking the whole time. Does he need to be chewing and licking every single time still? Am I not pushing him enough? I still let him soak, but he just stands there chilled with no chewing. Okay, Bill. Uh, so the licking and chewing is, that comes from the dopamine being released in the mind. Um, the dopamine causes your equine, well, causes you too, uh, causes them to salivate, okay? And that saliva is going to, that's what causes the, the licking and chewing that you see. They get that little dopamine hit when they're coming back into the parasympathetic nervous system when they are coming down from stress. So the licking and chewing is really just the beginning of this soak time, so to speak, okay? It's just the beginning. Um, and it's just a sign, like I said, that they're coming off of the stress. So that tells you all the things that you're doing with your mule. It no longer stresses them out at all. Now, that's a good thing. We want this. We, we want them to to not get stressed when we ask them to turn. I don't want them to stress when we ask them to go and to stop and to do those things. I want them to be comfortable and with me. 
Now, as you're teaching new things, you got to push that envelope a little bit. You got to push them a little further um, into uh, into that sympathetic nervous system just a little bit. You want a little curiosity. You want a little bit of caution. Um, just a little anxiety. Just a little stress, and uh, and then you back off of it. So you're going to work on this. Now, if the mule is totally comfortable with everything you're doing, yeah, you could push a little further. It's time to move on to the next steps, the next pieces. Keep engaging that mind. As you keep going up the checklist, you're going to engage it even more. Go up that checklist. Try the harder things. Engage that. Help them find a, a clue. Back off from that. End your sessions with things that they're confident on. And do that repeatedly. So... Um, a lot of people, well, me included, I used to just let them soak as long as they were looking and chewing. As soon as they stopped looking and chewing, I would, uh, go on back to work. But I've learned from people like Dr. Stephen Peters that that is just the beginning of this so-called soak time when they're starting to reflect back on what they just did when they're starting to play that back in their mind. It's just the beginning. So no, they don't have to keep looking and chewing, but that's just a sign that you had pushed up into that sympathetic nervous system just a little bit. You probably put a little stress in there just a little bit, and that's okay. That's a good thing. They need, we, we, we know now that there has to be a little stress for there to be that optimal, that optimal learning state of mind, okay? You put too much stress in, then you're going to kick them over to the flight and the fight and the freeze, and that is not valuable. You don't do enough, and they just stay on this low-level baseline, there's evidence now that shows that that's actually bad for your mule or your horse. When you don't push them at all and they just stay there, their brains will start to, they start to lose. They start to lose that knowledge. They start to, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not healthy for that mind to do that. It's, it's, when they're not being engaged, they lose a lot of that mental health. They lose it. It, it goes down. Um, so you want to be engaging that mind, keep them curious. Curiosity is a key there. So I just, uh, keep moving up that checklist, Bill. I hope that helps you. Thanks for the question. Let me know what you think. Okay. Our last question is a, actually a follow-up question from last week about roping a hard to catch mule. Now, Lonnie, um, I give him some, some suggestions on, on, uh, roping a mule that's real hard to catch if i got one that's just just buck wild i'll get him in the round pen i'll work him in the round pen and i will get rope a rope on him that way but i'm not trying to catch him i think lonnie got a little bit confused with what i'm trying to do here i'll, I'll i'm gonna read this to you um so lonnie D uh, braybrook says um i got i got mules used to the rope didn't bother them too bad so went ahead and roped them but i had to snub them up to the post to get the halters on after some time working um, working them to try and, and even touch them. So I left halters on, but still have to snub up to the post to even get the halter, uh, the, the lead rope on, I think you say in here. Uh, once I got the lead rope on, they're not bad to work with. Do you think this is still a trust issue? Should I keep roping them and snub to a post when they won't let me touch them? Or do you suggest another method? I've also put them in separate pens. Thanks for your help and hope to hear back. Thanks. Okay, Lonnie, uh, number one, uh, man, I don't want you to snub them up to get a halter on. So the point of getting a rope on them is just to help, help you have a line on them to start doing your groundwork. So when you snub them up and you trapped them, 
uh, putting them on this post just so you can get a halter on, that's you kind of erase the whole point of all that stuff there. So don't don't snub them to get the halter on. Just do your work with the rope on on their neck. That's just fine. Uh, don't snub them down. You're going to mess up all this good stuff, and you have a high chance of hurting them. I've seen many of them get hurt doing that. So don't snub them. All right. Uh, you need to do your work on the end of your lariat rope. Okay. Now, uh, as far as the, the other thing I'll, I'll tell you is don't leave the halters on. That's not the point either. You, you need to go through the catching process and get them ready to catch day after day after day. Leaving the halters on, now you you, you don't get to go through that process of, of catching catching them and getting that halter on. That is the most important part of catching them is the way you put the halter on. Getting a nice little band, getting them to put their head down. Those are all valuable things that we're going to need later on. And if I can't do that, they're just catching them. I'm not ready to move on anyway. So a lot of people will leave the halter on so they can go work on the other stuff when really they should just still be working on catching. I would just be working on catching that thing with quality. So I'd focus on that there, Lonnie. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a trust issue. When you when you subbed them up, you kind of lost a little bit of that. Um, you kicked them over into the sympathetic nervous system. That's when they're going to get real bothered. You know, they're going to get real worried. Um, you know, and, uh, sometimes they will freeze up. Now, sometimes we're confused and we think that they're complying, so to speak, but really they just froze up. So, so I wouldn't snub them up at all. Um, anyways, I'd go back to what I told you last week. Uh, you get them in the round pen, go through your hooking on process, throw those ropes all over, get them, rope their backs, rope their butt, rope around the, the legs uh, up on the, the main and then go ahead and get a rope around their neck, okay, and work on leading them by their neck. So you're working on your true lead. Uh, your true lead is that rope going up and, and around the throat latch. That's a true lead. The, the nose band is just a bonus. Um, so you don't really need that. That helps with some of your lateral work later on. But in the beginning stages like this, you're, it's not going to be that great anyways. So just get them leading well off that lariat rope. Um, take your time. And then at the end of the session, take the lariat rope off and turn them loose. Uh, now, keeping them alone uh, or keeping them separate, you know, because last week you told me these both are, are pretty wild. Um, so it is good not to have the two wild ones together. But if you could put uh, one of your, your good horses, your good mules or donkeys, whatever you got, put it in there with them, give them some company, that's going to help their mental state of mind. And it's going to get you a lot further along. Uh, back when I was training for the public a lot, in the beginning of my career, I, I would keep everything separate. And I did that because I was worried about them kicking each other or worried about a client's meal getting hurt or whatever. And everybody brought their own feed. And, and toward the end of my, my, uh, my training for the public career, before I started um, full-time on the clinics, um, I would just get to where I turned all the training meals out together. I wouldn't keep them alone anymore. I just turned them all out together and the quality completely changed toward the end. The, the Their mental state of mind was so much more comfortable than when I had them alone in a stall. Even if they were alone in the stall, but next to a pal, they could see them, smell them, hear them, whatever, all the above. Um, that, that wasn't the same as actual herd interactions and being together. So I would put these two mules maybe keep them separate from each other since they're both but wild 
but if you could put some of your good saddle animals, some of your good riding animals, some of the uh, good gentle ones with them, that would do you a lot of good too, Lonnie. So anyways, hopefully that helps you get things lined out. Um, you know, and if I ever give you guys some, some tips and you have follow-up questions, don't be shy. You can send your follow-up questions too. I'm happy to help you. Uh, happy to help any of you with any of your questions. If you have a question, send it to ty at tsmules.com. Be sure to put in the subject line question for Mule Tip Tuesday. I'll help you out. Um, anyways, that's about it for this uh, this episode of our Mule Tip Tuesday on our Everyday Mulemanship podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're, uh, we're just going to load up here in a minute, head down to Natural Bridge, Virginia, get ready to do a three-day clinic. Can't wait. Um, and if you haven't been paying attention, uh, go check out our website tsmules.com our 2022 clinic tour is up so you can see where we're going to be headed next year looking forward to it a lot of great stops can't wait to see y'all hey have a great day god bless you and we will see you down the road